0: Thank you, and enjoy today's message.
1: It's me. Sorry. Just swapping over. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Q. I hope you're all right. And uh, you've had a... Well, I was going to say I had a good week. I, it doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> when all's said and done, we've got a basically navigate all this stuff and trust for grace within it. That's what we've just been singing about, grace, because uh, you can't have any guarantees about much, can we? But we can guarantee that grace will be there for us. So we are, as what was said on the, uh, the video, the What's On video, we are continuing our quest tonight um, about honour, part two. Now, it's been a very interesting week, and I've affectionately called this week, Cotton Candy Gate. Now, some of you might not have a clue what I'm talking about, but if you ever noticed the news, uh, when there's a bit of a a scandal or a problem goes on, they usually put the word gate on the end of it because it means that, you know, do you remember Watergate? No, there's too, too many young people in here. But anyway, you put the gate on the end. So it's Cotton Candy Gate. Now, for those of you who weren't here, I'm going to have to explain. It's sad, isn't it, that I'm going to have to explain? But never mind. Um, basically, we put we in our quest for honour, we showed a video, and it was one that was called "The War," and it uh, had uh, Kevin Costner in it. And the little clip we showed caused some concern. Now that's okay. Please hear me. That is okay. That's why we queue because we actually want people to think so we might put stuff on the screen that you might think oh they're making me believe this no we're not making you believe anything we just want to introduce ideas so that you can go away and then guess what we believe in a higher power that's gonna hover like what it says right in the beginning in Genesis that says hovered hovered and basically made things happen and if there are things in you that need to change, that spirit will hover and things will change. If it doesn't need to change, don't worry about it. Are you with me? But anyway, just so that you understand, the clip we showed was, it created some issues. And so we feel we have a uh, responsibility to address those tonight. Now, it seemed as though what was the struggle was, it seemed that somebody was being honoured. Those children... Uh, were being honoured with the cotton candy when actually they'd behaved so badly. And some of you weren't happy with that, and that's fine. We're okay, like I said. But some of you were saying, well, what message did the father send back to the child who had been bullied and beaten up so badly? Had the father, in attempt to be kind to the poor children, actually dishonoured his own son, And these are great questions and we're really thankful that you're asking them. So it's interesting that the con- cotton candy to many was seen as a reward uh, rather than a kindness that was unrelated. Now you've got to think about that. It was unrelated. The dad wasn't giving the cotton candy to the kids because they had bullied the son. He'd given it because he felt that they hadn't been given anything in a very long time. Now, do you see the difference? There's a very great difference. And often in our lives, when we're wondering how to deal with situations, we relate things, we, put, we associate things way too quickly. And we think, well, if I do this, they'll think that. When actually, no, let's separate what you did here was wrong But when I'm giving you the cotton candy here, it's actually just to say, I am honouring who you are, not what you have done. Now, can you see the difference? It's massive. And anybody who wants to talk to us a bit more of that, obviously, you know you can. But for those who were here, I hope that's helped that a bit. So anyway, um, these are great questions and some it's totally unreasonable uh, to think uh, that we can be kind to those who are being unkind. Now, you know, it seems that we're really struggling in that. Now, we talked about a quest for honour. Now, have you ever thought about the fact that a judge um, is referenced, or you call him, your honour? Now, isn't that funny that a judge, we would say, your honour? Now, why is that? It's because... It's his job to reinstate by judgment the honor that seems to have been lost to those that have been offended. Now, that's what a judge does. And um, we are basically uh, all little judges. (laughs) Have you ever thought when something happens, what's the first thing we do? We put on the judge's hat and we start to judge. Now, every one of you last week will have resonated with something different in that story, some of you will resonate with the children. Some of you have resonated with the son. Some of you have resonated with the father, all because of your life story. So, um, when we are or have our judges hat on, we decide what judgment we're going to make, and usually we decide if the people are deserving. And based on how much we love those people, if you're in relationship with those people, it's going to be a doddle. Think about it. If you love somebody, oh, we can always see the bright side. We can always see the reasons. But if you don't love those people, I can promise you it'll be a a, a different story. But you see, we're told in Scripture that somebody might potentially give their life for somebody who seems to be good He says somebody might dare to die for somebody who is deemed good, but for somebody who is deemed evil or bad, no, we're not going to do that because we think that that is inappropriate behaviour. So here's the point. To grace, and we've just been singing about grace, to grace those who have done us wrong is a risk and we fear Because who knows whether the investment of grace uh, will come back to us a positive or a negative. It might bite us in in the butt. And uh, it's really that issue. Now, I don't know what slide we've got on. Yeah, the grace you show to some allows them to remain lawless. Now, this is a a massive thing to think about. We can actually decide the law, uh, the grace we show to some people, all it will do will make them just continue being the, the horrendous people. We talked last week about shame being often a commodity that we use to get people to shape up. And yet we don't want to operate uh, in, in that commodity of shame. So here's the point. When we are faced with the nitty-gritty of the true principles of Christ, and then I'm going to put "ianity" after it, we are confronted with something that most of us can't handle. Jesus said, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And for some of us, that is asking too much. It's easy to love those who are good. But when it comes to uh, those who are spitefully using us, then it's a totally different matter so what does it really mean to love our enemies that's a great question I'm sure it won't be answered tonight but we'll try Matthew 5 46 Jesus uses these words he says if you love those who love you what are you doing more than others anybody can do that he says, don't even pagans do that? Now, please understand why I'm using the word pagans. That's not an anti uh, people who love the earth and hug trees who have that sort of different idea about what is, you know, because uh, uh, that word has become something different. What they meant by what, what Jesus was meaning by pagans was just people who didn't um, basically sign up for saying they want to go by a, a different way, be a f- follower of Christ. So here's the thing we're, we're being asked to go beyond the norm, and the way of Christ is not easy. And Brennan Manning, somebody who I absolutely love and I, I read a lot of his stuff, he says this Religiosity per se is not discipleship, it is in fact a safe refuge from the revolutionary lifestyle that Jesus proposed. We can pray, we can read, we can do all sorts of rituals. But when they become an escape from the more difficult demands of Christian living, they are a corruption of discipleship. Whoa, now that's hard hitting. And I'm not telling anybody that you have to do anything. I'm just proposing these things to you tonight. So I've spent the last 15 years basically being more concerned with the more difficult demands of discipleship than I am about religious ritual. I want to to try and love my enemies. I want to try and and operate in a different spirit uh, to what was said a minute ago about the pagans or the the other way of being. So anyway, so if we're going to judge, here's the point. Can we judge everyone worthy of love? Big question. If we're going to judge, can we judge everyone Worthy of love. In this next clip from Saving Private Ryan, and we've, we've, we've edited it a bit, but we have left it a little raw because we don't want to sanitise war. You can't make war pretty, right? So we've done our best, it's okay for the kids, don't worry, but we've, we, we've not sanitised it fully. Um, and basically, they, there is a group that's embarking on a mission to save somebody, Private Ryan. They want to bring him home because his mother has already lost two of her sons and they want to bring him home. But in the process, they have to decide what to do with an enemy who has just killed one of their comrades. And they all judge. And they all judge the situation differently. They're even willing to kill each other because of the dilemma. So who's right? The captain calls it. And one of the, uh, the, the soldiers wants to give up on the mission because he feels the captain is so out of line. But the captain knows that every man he kills, the further he feels from home. And he applies grace not only to the German soldier, but also to his friend, the one who feels he can't go on. These are truly difficult situations, but we are going to try and face them tonight.
2: Overwhelming applause there of appreciation for them. Glad you were excited. One of the problems with um, what was stirred up last week, for those of you particularly who were here, and um, as we pick this up again this week, is that this stuff actually strikes at the very heart of the rawest human emotions because it's how we try to deal with... What has been to us, been done to us. Uh, How people have behaved, how circumstances contrived against us. It's rarely what we have done to others, (coughs) which is something Jesus was driving at when he said, do to others as you'd have them do to you, because uh, mostly the focus of our understanding and our emotions and our psyche is in what has been done to us, and those are the things that we wrestle with when we've been let down, when we feel actual more than just small failure, but actual um, offence and hurt and pain and abuse has come, has come our way. And um, <clears throat> you know what Chris said about the, the candy floss last week, the, uh, the cotton candy as our American friends call it, was the issue that the candy given to the kids was not a reward. And the problem is that we can struggle to separate anything that is kindness to those we feel undeserving from the perspective of reward or punishment. And so we we then lose the ability to measure and weigh anything outside of the criteria of what will I get from this? What will this give to me? Or what can I achieve by this or what will this take from me and what will I lose by doing this so so somewhere in that melee we lose any sense of a purity of of just righteousness towards humanity in the way that we would like humanity to treat us and I love I love what he said last week that the candy floss wasn't a reward but he looked like those kids hadn't been given anything in a very long time and if 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 you would just catch that and not forget that and let that percolate in your spirit, because there are a lot of people who really the way they are is because they haven't been given anything by anybody in a very long time. Not a word of kindness, not a word of love, not a recognition, not attention, nothing. And if you would let that sit in your spirit, it would be it would be something that will, will help you to address address this issue. See, I'm not interested in being a follower of Jesus because Jesus lived 2,000 years ago lived a good life he did some miracles and then he died what I am interested in is being the Christ in the earth today it's more important that you are Christ than that you are a follower of Jesus. The problem is there are too many people trying to be a follower of Jesus, looking for experiences because most of the people who followed Jesus were looking for a miracle, looking for something to change, some, some, some high, not really looking to catch what was the Spirit of the Christ that has been in all things from the beginning of time and still seeks to touch people today so on Saving Private Ryan you know it's interesting because you've got just about every emotion there should we let him go should we not let him go he's our enemy well that someone else will deal with it no we should deal with it well what might he do well if you want to see the outcome of that story that guy at the end of the film shoots dead the captain who was there played by Tom Hanks so the one who initiated leaving him and not hurting him he's killed by the guy so that for me is like, that's a real bummer, isn't it? Because now when I'm trying to tell you about forgiveness and love, and yet this guy came back in, See, See, what I'm not giving you is a whole fluff of religious nonsense that says, if you forgive, if you're kind, if you're lovely, there'll be no difficulties in your life, no harm, but it will be bigger and go beyond that because you see, there is always a bigger picture. Now, now, now sometimes we can't avoid what happens and sometimes our kindness will come back to bite us. So you have another alternative. Don't be kind. Don't ever forgive. Don't release anybody because of the risk. But the other possibility is that, that, that more lives will be changed in that process than will be lost. So we have a choice to make. So It's all right having fluffy religion about all oh, of your enemies and forgive and all that stuff. But I want you to realize sometimes it doesn't work out too good. Jesus said, I love you I'm the Christ, I've come for you, and they said, let's kill him. Now, it actually turned out okay, but it didn't avoid a dying, and most of what we do when we bring change doesn't avoid a dying in some way. So how do you sit with love your enemies in that perspective? It's interesting that what it brings up is a conflict of conscience. Now, I want you to think about something. I meant to do a slide, I forgot for this, but the word conscience is C-O-N... S-C-I-E-N-C, science, con, science, con, science. You, You think conscience is an emotion that somewhere lives deep inside here, but actually, it's a science. How we deal with people is a science that we have to connect with so that according to that science, which says, give and you will receive, Forgiven you will be forgiven. loving and you will be loved. Befriending you will be befriended. We have to live by the truth of that science in all its measures. What drives it? Well, I believe that's proved to be worth the best and be the best outcome. So question: what is my responsibility to the wider sphere of humanity, to the entire human race? Because you see, part of this question is, OK, so, so somebody does wrong. Eh? And I love them, and I forgive them, and I take no action, and then they go and do that wrong to others. So is what we're suggesting is nobody should be brought to account for anything? And the answer to that is no, not at all. But when the wider picture is taken into account, if how I apply this forgiveness, how will this affect the wider human sphere? That's why sometimes we take people off the street and put them in prison. It doesn't mean that we're not forgiving. It means that we're also conscious of grace and goodness to the wider community of humanity that says we may need to take some steps here that prevents them from hurting others, but somebody somewhere in the beginning has to say, these people need to be shown some kindness and some love if they're ever gonna be changed. There was a big question flying around many years ago. It was all over the place from The Bible and it was a question that that, um, Cain who killed his brother Abel answered when he was asked where your brother and he said am I my brother's keeper and it became a huge debate as to what responsibility do I have to people even when they do not behave correctly towards me or around me am I my brother's keeper or as one herring said to the others on the way to the smokehouse am I my brother's keeper. And you have to be of a certain age, just like with Watergate, to understand that. So that was the kipper? So let, let me bring this, having said that, it's because I wanted to bring you just, just talking to this thing. So when we think about forgiveness and kindness and, and, and loving, what if it's your child? What if it's your loved one? See, we we always measure this psychologically from someone else who is disconnected from us, who has caused harm to us, but we have no connection with that person. But what if it's your child? What if it's your loved one? How would you like them to be treated by the one they've hurt? By the person they've upset? by those who have been wronged by them. How would you like, that's the Christ spirit that says, what if it was you, what if it was your child, how would you like to be treated, do to others as you would have them do to you, but if you think, I'm perfect, so all people are going to do is give me flowers and accolades, you're not thinking it through, it's think if you're in trouble and if you've done something wrong and you're the hurting one, you're the offending one, how would you like someone to treat you? And if that's come from a history of your struggle and pain, wouldn't you like someone to give to you just because you've not been given anything in a very long time? that would help you. That's the balancer that should draw all of us in to say, I have a responsibility to the wider sphere of humanity, to the entire human race in this, because that's how I would like to be treated or my children to be treated. We are so driven by reward over righteous acts, so driven by how will this harm or benefit me rather than the deeper sense of our shared humanity I like what he said there at the end Chris mentioned it at the beginning one of the reasons he walked away he said I just know that every man I kill the farther away I am uh, the farther away from home I feel and the truth is every man every woman you kill with your words with your bad attitude with your with your with your conclusions and your judgments will take you a step further away from the home that you're looking for. Revenge will never bring peace, but honor somehow makes a way that life can come and love can flourish. Pretty powerful and uh, I don't wanna lose the impact of that by over-speaking. But I think for all of us, in the measure of judgment, we start to go through the levels until ultimately some of us and some of you finish at God. And um, when we think that what he said to Mackenzie, I'm only asking you to do something you believe God does which is to make a distinction between who's in and who's out, who gets blessed, who doesn't get blessed. And ultimately, if we don't give honour, if we don't live in a place of honour, what we finish up doing is not just judging God, but we finish up replacing God because we do what we think God would do by then deciding who's going to get it and who's not. And that's usually by terms of what people we think people deserve and, um, and usually a retributive justice because we think we'll feel better if we hurt those who hurt us, if we kill those who kill us, and it never works. You know, Mick Chris mentioned a verse earlier, it's in Romans chapter 5 and um, verse 7, it says, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man some might possibly dare to die, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us that in the condition that is not suitable or responsive what well, the condition that the process was begun by what I believe is the amazing work of, of God in Jesus that is the Spirit of Christ that we're asked to take hold of. Because the truth is, we will tell people don't judge, but we're all judging. We're even judging the people that we're telling not to judge. It's this, we, we get into mindless, stupid philosophies that are not real because if we're honest we're all judging. That's why Jesus said don't judge or you'll be judged. So there's one thing. So don't be surprised when you find circumstance or people judging. But he said but here's how to measure it. With the measure that you judge it will be measured back to you. So what you give is what you'll get. So, so I'm suggesting that if conscience is conscience and, and, and if behind and within all science there are timeless, timeless, universal, unbreakable laws, then my conscience should cause me to show honor and forgiveness and love even to my enemies because just like in all science, there are unbreakable, timeless laws that you bring into effect when you do something. We bring gravity into effect by being on this planet. We give lift, we bring lift into effect when we get in an aeroplane and use thrust to take us at a certain speed and use wings and then we lift off and we defy the law of gravity. But actually, gravity hasn't stopped working. There has just been a superior law called the law of lift that has been enacted. So in all of science, when you enact a timeless eternal law, it works for you. I believe that the timeless eternal laws of forgiveness, of love, of kindness to enemies actually do work. Now I know within that there are a thousand and one questions, and I'm not here nor do we have time to address all of those. But what I like to think is that, yeah, you know, that Christ died even while we were sinners, but that's what the story of the resurrection is about. It's about emerging on the other side of the death. And and if there is anything that that dignifies the Christ message, it's the rising on the other side of the death, it's the fact that the sacrifice that brings you to the love that takes you into a death will never be the end of the story, because what there will be is a resurrection, and when resurrection life comes, death can't touch that kind of life, it's a risk, it's always a risk, but I want you to take that risk today, let me read you something that is accredited to Mother Teresa before I sit down. People are often unreasonable, irrational, self-centred. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and sincere, people may deceive you be honest and sincere anyway. What you spend years creating, others could destroy overnight, but create anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, some may be jealous, but be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten, but do good anyway. Give the best you have, and it will never be enough, but give your best anyway. In the final analysis, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. Okay, so, one final word. We're all going to judge. You're going to judge. I'm going to judge. Don't get all spiritual and self-righteous but knowing you're going to do that please will you in Christ's name make your default position that you judge everyone worthy of love it's not the final word it's not the final event lots may have to happen but if your default position is that you judge everyone worthy of love what you do and what you release And what happens will allow all the strength of heaven and of Christ to work in that situation. Judge everyone worthy of love.
0: Thanks for listening to another Q York Podcast.